Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Very big day today, E-Day in America, Election Day, midterms. And we know that God is in control. He is sovereign, and we trust him because he raises up kings and he deposes kings. He is sovereign over all things, all nations, all people. However, we have a responsibility to elect our leaders and who we want to have any say in, let's just see, morality uh, in Washington, D.C., in legislation, someone's morality will be legislated. Who Who is it going to be this time? So that's uh, an encouragement to uh, Christians to vote. We've got uh, many issues we're going to look at today, and one of them is uh, reasons that believers in Christ should vote, and especially at the local level, we're going to emphasize that. With my co-host, Mary Danielson. Hi, Mary. Hi. Good morning, everyone. And our famous guest, pastor and speaker from Texas now, Pastor Chris Quintana. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Is that famous or infamous? I missed the, the what was the Take emphasis your pick. on that. Well, I think either one of us could go back and forth on that, depending on who you're asking. <laughs> but good morning. Um, it's a very important day, not a day to be stressed out, not a day to worry about the future of America. For those who have been uh, students of Bible prophecy, we don't, we need not fear, right? So we're just going to talk about some of these things in, in light of what's happening today and the state of our country, and most of us would say it's declining in almost every way, but our concern is, of course, souls and the gospel. Do we still have free speech, religious freedoms, to preach the gospel, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the education system and how you cannot preach the gospel right here in America um, to children, but you can do all kinds of other things, like bring in uh, Drag right. Queen Story Hour, and uh, you can do, um, what, what is that, mindfulness meditation. You can talk about the five pillars of Islam. You can do all kinds of, pass out condoms and Planned Parenthood cards, but you cannot bring up the biblical worldview. That is in America, but we are going to talk about first what, Chris, you posted this on your Facebook uh, today, and I'm just going to go through a couple points and let you continue to uh, share details of it. You say, despite what the politicians are saying, who can't seem to be honest about political matters, here's how it works. If you hate the condition of the filth your children are taught in school, then education is a local matter. The national education rot can be countered at the local level, city taxes, Various regulations and development of your city happens through your council members. Let's pause right there. And, Chris, I'll just have you share a little bit more on this because we are so focused on what the stinking mainstream media tells us. And it's either Trump bad, Biden good, whatever, and and they'll talk about the federal level. They don't talk about these things. And even at the local news, sometimes we don't hear enough about this important matter. Yeah, I, I really wish people had a better understanding of uh, how civics actually work from the local level up to the federal, because then people wouldn't be so easily manipulated by the nonsense that they hear reported. So, you know, the 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 idea that I'm hearing all these people running for Senate, or I hear the politicians who are out, you know, for for the the House of Representatives, mm-hmm. everything on the federal level talking about abortion. It's like, well, you know, they know this as well as anyone. That's now been returned to the states. So if that's an important matter to you, be concerned about who your state senator is, your, your state house of representatives is, and then, of course, your, uh, your governor. And then also realize that it's going to get challenged no matter what in the courts. So who are you voting for as far as your judges are concerned in your state? That's a big matter. Um, if you're sick and tired of the garbage that's being, you know, shoved down your kids' throats, Get involved in the school boards because that's not a national issue. I, I'd love to see the the, uh, uh, the the on the national level the 
the education department get completely defunded yes and uh, cut the legs out from there too because it's it's a state's rights mm-hmm. issue and when it comes to being a state's right especially since it goes down to the local level that's where it becomes the school board that's where it should be and the idea that people are challenging that now and hearing the belly aching from the people who have ruined our kids over the past couple of generations hearing them bemoan the idea that people want to arrest power back has been pretty delicious Chris, what would you say to parents, um, young parents particularly, uh, let's just say the average parent whose kids maybe have already gone through and they're out of school and they don't have young children in the system, so maybe they don't have as big of a priority when it comes to voting at the local level because they don't have kids in school. Um, I say that's not loving your neighbor, but what do you say? Well, then, you know, those would be the same people that are probably breaking in and wrecking your home 10 years from now because they're complete vagrants. Um, if I can be really blunt, <laughs> the problem is that you're producing some pretty awful kids mm-hmm. if they're being, if they believe everything that they're being told at the, at the school level in most places. So that they're being taught to hate their country. They're being taught that there are no genders. Um, think of all the things that are being taught and then ask the question of what kind of a, of a end result do you expect there to be in society with a group of godless kids who hate everything about authority and want to overturn the way that our government functions. Mm. I think, too, once, you know, once your kids are grown and gone, you, you tend to be a little out of touch with what's going on in the schools. Or you might think, well, how could things change that much? And what a shock it is when you find out they have changed. And not only that, we're still paying taxes on our property tax bill there's a school tax involved so yeah. really you know when a senior citizen uh-huh. sees that and they're already stretched to the limit you know that's a really good hint that you really should get involved in what's going on in the schools chris i want to quote mm-hmm. before i get back to your post on your facebook page i want to quote linda harvey at mission america uh, who says america is unique and in this country we get a voice unlike china about who leads our republic and many other countries i might add um, she theoretically. Said, yeah, theoretically. Yeah. Uh, now, Sorry, I couldn't help it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reason America is a blessing is because our freedoms and prosperity allow a worldwide voice to the gospel and a Christ-centered international outpouring for uh, of aid for disasters, humanitarian and military. If America sinks under the weight of progressive moral sewage, lawlessness, and Marxism, it's because believers didn't act and vote. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I totally concur. Uh, again, when it comes to mm. this matter, if if we believe that God has given us a voice, then clearly that would be shown just in the way that we can, can, can conduct ourselves day to day. Well, here we are election day, and everybody has an equal voice. Mm. So when people say that Christians shouldn't get involved in politics, and that, you know, ours is more of a kingdom kind of a, of a mandate. We should be busy preaching the gospel. It's like, well, why is it an either or? And so the, the problem is until the day that I see Jesus face to face, I've got to live under the government that mm-hmm. I am, you know, living here with. I have yes. to deal with their decisions. And so if I can somehow influence, uh, the, the, the direction of things by who I vote for, I would be a fool to ignore that. And you've said in the past, you know, um, the church is still here, so the church still has work to do. Yes. That's the conclusion, I think, that we can safely draw. Yeah, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've talked so much on this podcast for the last several years about the difference being very minimal, if any, between political issues or what is deemed political and a moral or biblical issue. Uh, for example, ripping a preborn baby out of a mother's womb that's not a political issue, and we get to vote for who is going to make that call state by state. You say, quote, if your issue is life now that Roe has been overturned, then the state offices are where you need to focus. State representative, senator, and governor, if you are in a state that will make it a matter of statewide initiative, make your voice heard, and then remember courts will get involved immediately thereafter, so know your judges. The politicians mm-hmm. on the federal level are not where the power lies. No matter how much noise they make, they're going to or what they're going to do. The, that power has now returned to the states. Chris, your your thoughts on that? And I know this; these are your thoughts because I just quoted you off your very important post. You just made a couple points, but it's to emphasize you, what's happening in your state depends on who you elect. 
Exactly. Like in my former state. Um, where, where was that, Republic by the way? Of, the People's Republic of California. <laughs> um, when I when, Right now they have uh, Proposition 1. I was just there uh, last week, and Proposition 1 is going to be a constitutional amendment to the state of California that really would um, put no limits whatsoever that I could see. Uh, and it's ambiguous language, um, of yeah. course. But it, it wouldn't put any limitations on any kind of abortion. And I would guess it'll probably pass by a good 15 to 20 percent. So uh, California is now a destination location for people to come if they want to abort their children. And they can't do so with uh, with any ease in their home state. Uh, it'll be a kind of a tourist destination for abortion now. Mm. Go on vacation. Do you need, need an abortion? Go to California. That's I can just see that in the new tourism ads. Um, and, and, and I'm sorry, uh, Newsom's done pretty much that. Yeah, by the way. he's done that. He's pretty much said right what you just said there. Okay, one more point, and then uh, Mary has some fascinating observations on. Um, how the media is starting to frame things. And I think we're going to see some uh, discrimination, perhaps even persecution of Bible-believing Christians, as we are a little bit already. We're getting some. But you say, Chris Quintana, if you are happy, I'm sorry, if you are unhappy with what's happening with spending, inflation, border security, climate hysteria, and all things energy, then the federal offices matter most. U.S. representatives and senators will cover that and determine if we will have one-party rule in D.C. or not. And go ahead and share more thoughts on that, Chris, because these are issues that are affecting our pocketbooks around the country. It doesn't matter what state you live in, and these are policies that we've been shocked at how much money the Biden administration continues to just give out and uh, it, it seems like the people don't have much of a voice, but we really do. Yeah, this time around you possibly can because, uh, you know, as far as our our uh, federal government is concerned, you know, I'll, I don't want to be mansplaining things, but, um, you know, we have the judiciary, um, you know, so Supreme Court's a big deal, but then you have all the legislative bodies, the two legislative bodies is the House and the Senate, and they're the one thing that can kind of keep the president in check. Mm. Um, there's no way that, that uh, President Biden could have got most of his agenda through had it not been for the fact that his party runs both the House and the Senate. And that can stop this time around, which means that he won't be able to just kind of roughshod over everyone. It's one party rule currently in D.C. So if you want to rein in some of those things, and, and again, they are somewhat limited. Is uh, Biden can still do some things, but the, uh, the the Congress holds the purse strings, and if they mm-hmm. develop a backbone and just say we won't fund some of the nonsense that was passed in the last legislative body, then I'm or the last legislative session rather than I'm I'll be a happy person and watch them start to turn it back in the other direction. Um, you mentioned one party rule, and sometimes that's what it feels like when you've got you know the Biden administration, you've got. Uh, all the powers that be, the deep state, the globalists, you've got the uh, media in America, you've got the uh, public school system and corporations. Um, I like to refer to media and social media as the one-party big tech media conglomerate because that's essentially what they are. That's They're really supportive of one worldview, and that's the one that is antichrist. Um, Mary had some interesting observations. We've talked, I think, over a year and a half ago, we started doing an occasional podcast on Christian nationalism what that is it wasn't even defined back then but now they are trying to define it their way on the left mary what are your thoughts and then i'll let uh, pastor chris respond yeah chris you did a session on globalism uh, down in uh, el paso and it really caught my ear what you said about christian nationalism um and there's several uh, left-wing outlets now that have decided they're going to define it the day before and the day of the election, just to make sure everybody's clear. Of course, it's a no-spin zone. The <laughs> Dallas Morning News this morning says, Christian, Christian nationalist ideology now becoming identity. Okay, so there's a statement uh, that, you know, anybody who votes for godly morality or Christian expressions of faith is now a Christian nationalist. And I don't like labels because they're nothing but trouble. Mm. Um, the CFR, <laughs> okay. A secular globalist group, of course, again, no spin zone there, says that it is a cultural package of white supremacy, patriarchy, authoritarianism, militarism, control and oppression. Um, and, of course, their national holiday is January 6th. 
Uh, Time magazine, oh, is this, this isn't just rhetoric, this is hysteria. The Christian nationalist forces that terrorized me as a child have grown only more powerful. That's Time, November 7th. Wait a minute. Time magazine. Time magazine. Can and you re- repeat that quote, yeah. please? This is the title of the article. It says on the page when you look it up. Okay. The Christian nationalist forces that terrorized me as a child have grown only more powerful. So they're reframing wow. what churches teach about sin and, and the gospel and Jesus being the only way and hell. They're reframing it going back, I don't know when this person was a child, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They're reframing it as the Christian nationalism is the problem. And so, you know, I mean, Hitler was a nationalist. Fascists are nationalists. So now are we looking at persecution just by wanting to protect our children through the polls. Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Because this, this is interesting rhetoric they're using. I think they s- started to jump on this after January 6th uh, last year. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think it's, again, a, an important thing like what we were talking about with just the, the way that politics run and, and civics. Uh, let's define some terms here. What do you mean by Christian nationalists? Because um, there are different schools of thought with that, and there are people within our own, you know, people we call them church who do believe that we should be arresting some kind of control back, believing that, that uh, everything was lost at Eden with, with man's sin, and now it's up to the church to arrest control back, you know, section by section throughout the earth and, and take back dominion. If that's the kind of Christian nationalism that we're talking about, where they want to create a theocracy, yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll get in line and say, no, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Right. But if you if you want to say, do I want to see my my own personal beliefs reflected in public policy? Well, who doesn't? Because if they want to go ahead and call me a Christian nationalist, well, then I'll call them heathen nationalists, and their rallying day is April first. <laughs> so I don't care, you know, what they want to label me as. Um, what they want to do is, we've already seen what they've done. Yep. It's totally destructive. Well, they're yeah. saying that it's so, the, the, the phrase itself, Christian nationalist, is the polar mm-hmm. opposite of secular. Mm-hmm. Globalists, so Christian, secular, globalist, nationalists, and th- they say it's 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 completely innocuous that way, but it's not. Can we go back one step to just nationalism, which is a sense of loyalty and commitment to your country? Uh, it involves the belief that the country ought to self-govern, pursue self-interests, and encourage shared cultural at- attributes. We're talking about borders, language, culture, and other things within. Your sphere of influence, meaning the the borders of the United States, there's nothing wrong in and of itself with nationalism, but now you put that label Christian in front of it, and uh uh-oh. And by the way, let's talk about nationalism. And when President Trump, I'll never forget one of his speeches to the U.N., where he just, just laid it out. He said, America will never be a globalist country. In, and he just just said, "All right, this is in your face." I thought, "Okay, now they hated him before. Now they're going to start attacking." Yeah, right. And see, this is why people need to to remember, and a little bit of history would would be helpful. <laughs> if you would have started slinging around the accusations about the damage that the quote Christian nationalists and the whole mentality behind it would cause to the country. I guess if you were to poll people and say World War II, you'd find that the that the whole country was probably pretty firmly in the Christian nationalist camp, the way that they're defining it. So, I'm I'm so very very unimpressed by the intellectuals um, that are you know trying to sway people's opinion and whatnot. Because again, their own bias is showing just as much as anybody's possibly could. And what they've offered has already been putting has been put in place for the last like I say, a couple generations, and they are miserable, spectacular failures at what they do. So I'm not really all that impressed with uh, with their assessments. Um, we've got to take a, our first break today. Remember midterm day, we encourage you to, to vote biblical values, and I hope, and I know most of our audience uh, knows exactly what that means when you say biblical values. Um, but I also want to say when we come back, we're going to talk in part about, well, you know, Israel, We'll talk about some other things that are going on, a digital currency on the, the horizon. Also, a new poll shows that what Americans think about candidates who support puberty blockers, sex change surgeries for kids. It's a pretty a surprising percentage who are unlikely to vote for such candidates. More with Chris Quintana and Mary Danielson on Stand Up For The Truth. 
Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Well, it looks like LeBron, LeBron James came out and endorsed Democrat uh, Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock. And if, if you know anything about this guy, um, he's trouble. He's a leftist. He's a social justice um, apostate. But anyway, uh, Chris, do you – by the way, Herschel Walker is running against him in Georgia and – um, you know, I hope that he can pull it off, but you never know what's going to happen there. Your thoughts on that? I mean, just the, do endorsements matter? It depends on who's endorsing. You mm. know, as far as LeBron James is concerned, whatever credibility he has left is getting lost on, you know, uh, trying to prop up people like Raphael Warnock. So, which is really kind of funny when you think with all the things that they've said about Herschel Walker, he would be a far better biblical pastor than Warnock. Yeah, would, exactly. Like running to be senator. Exactly. <laughs> I just have to laugh at all this stuff. But yeah. Yeah. He's actually, LeBron's one of those people that if he came out in advocacy of something, I would go in the opposite direction and know I'm in good company. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, whatever the view, the liberal view TV show with all the women on, on uh, I don't mean to be sexist, but they are, there are no men. It's the, it's the ladies' view. And it's always to the left. Whatever they say, do the opposite. Um, so mm-hmm. let's get to this poll, and then we're going to talk about digital currency with Chris and Mary. Um, new poll shows the majority of Americans, listen to this, 73% are unlikely to vote for candidates who support puberty blockers, sex change surgeries, and related hormones for trans-identified youth. And it seems like this is one of the big pushes from the Biden administration over the last two years. Chris, I know a lot of polls don't matter, especially when you've got a Republican against Democrat or who's winning the polls. It doesn't matter because 95 percent of the people are going to vote according to their party. But what do you think about this where more people are saying, wait a minute, this, we're, they're going, taking this a little too far when it comes to our children and this trans ideology? Well, I guess. Part of me says, well, better late than never. I'm glad people are starting to finally wake up to it. But this has been something that's been rolling out for, you know, more than a decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea that I can, on one hand, by one person will tell me that I'm a science denier if I don't believe that we're killing the planet with CO2. And at the next minute will tell me that there's 56 different genders. Um, This is not a new problem. And so uh, the fact that people are paying attention to it now, good. Mm. Get rid of the people that have been the purveyors of it. That's great. I'm glad. But now you're going to have to retroactively go back and try to fix the kids who've been ruined by this. Yeah. So that's the sad Mm -hmm. part. And I'm I'm glad that people are finally paying attention. But like with most things, you're closing the barn door after the horse got out. Yeah. Good analogy. And by the way, one more thing, which is just interesting to me. And this is one of many issues. You've got the economy, inflation. You've got the borders. You've got abortion. You've got national security. But puberty blockers, hormones, sex change, surges for children, minors. This is interesting that 79% of independents are against mm. candidates who would support such things. We, this is going to be a f- the fascinating results of these midterms today are going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mary, your thoughts on this before we go on? You know, it's the, the, it's the party of hate. It's the party of intolerance. It's the party that hates minorities. They're all about diversity, but they hate minorities. But they They're, say just the opposite. Right, they say just the opposite. They hate your children. I mean, I wish people would understand that whatever comes out of their mouth is to destroy Steal, kill, and destroy, which I think that's a definition of what the devil does. But, you know, without being, you know, overly dramatic about that, I I really believe that whatever, everything they stand for is to destroy someone or something. And I wish people would understand that. Yeah, and it starts with the rejection of God as creator, a rejection of the truth, then marriage, family, uh, children, church. Um, Before we go on, I forgot to announce this at the top of the podcast. We're changing some things on our new uh, website. It's been kind of redesigned. We're on a new server now. We got rid of so much stuff that was weighing the site down. And we, for other reasons, we decided to not use PayPal. Um, So I want to just mention briefly, if you have been, we get a lot of donations through PayPal. If you've been doing that, we've got to change that. Uh, You can donate with a check, uh, change your, your card, credit card, or other ways so we can offer secure options to you guys instead of 
uh, PayPal because we have we are removing that option from the Stand Up for the Truth website. Just to give you a heads up, if something happens and your PayPal donation doesn't go through, again, StandUpForTheTruth.com. Click on Donate, and it's just a matter of time before that will be removed. So, Mayor, um, speaking of money and donating and all this, what about digital currency? How will that affect things? And uh, what's the latest on uh, that? Well, just, bear with me for a minute while I kind of go over this article. Sure. It's called uh, Biden Bucks, the Horror of Digital Currency. <laughs> and it starts out, of the many horrors introduced by the Biden administration, and David just went through a list of those things, and I think we all know what they are. One of the most horrifying is coming down the pipeline. I refer to digital currency. Uh, and, and this would be central bank, CBDC, central bank digital currencies, which are coming to... I don't know what, and everything near you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, the article says there are many risks. Digital currency would be vulnerable to hacking, technological glitches, and power outages. Any hiccup in the system would mean your funds are not available at this time. Um, when regional disasters happen, uh, with widespread power outages, uh, no one will be able to buy or sell in the, the affected area. Now, Bitcoin expert Anthony Pompliano calls digital currency one of the greatest violations of human rights in history. Now, why does he say that? He says, once a central bank digital currency is in the hands of a population, the central bank has solidified complete control. They will no longer have to go to the court system to invoke emergency powers and tell you who you can transact with. This can all be implemented through remote digital technologies. These bankers will be able to see what's in your account, who you transact with, what you purchase, and anything else they're curious about in your financial life. Um, So now they're saying there's no, uh, there's no, you know, it's all, it says that full transparency with the state removes all elements of privacy. Um, they could seize your assets. In other words, they're not going to come into your house late at night and take everything you have. They'll, you'll sleep like a baby, but with the click of a button, they'll take everything that you have. They can seize things your bank at accounts. will. You could end up, it says you could end up in a digital concentration camp, meaning you can't pay your power bill. You have no electricity, no water. Um, you can't do anything. Wow. Uh, and I think that this is coming soon. I mean, this kind of puts Revelation 13 at ground level, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody's heard of the Mark of the Beast. Even the movie studios have heard of that. But now we're at ground level and we're seeing how it will destroy America completely to have this in place. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah. Well, this is like one of those top five things. And Mayor, you and I have had this conversation multiple times about the, the movement towards something that was abstract. We, you, we look at Revelation 13 and we could say it's an inevitability, but what's it going to look like when it finally gets mm-hmm. here and how's it going to operate? So when it comes to the, the, the way that you can control the masses in the hands of very few people, we now know that because we, we call it COVID. Um, but now we're starting to see it as far as the, the transactions that uh, a, a person's ability to just negotiate day to day life and, and do just the, the menial tasks of existence can absolutely be controlled by a very, very small few. And um, so, again, it's gone from being abstract to something like, OK, we can see it all day, every day. And we keep seeing more and more of these kinds of stories. And it's weird because the world's still asleep to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to get his take on another quote from this article. And then, Mary, if you want to chime in as well, obviously, it says increased government control over the monetary system goes hand in glove with the social score concept famously wielded by the Chinese Communist Party and rapidly being adopted in other nations, including America. And it says already the World Economic Forum is launching a coalition to reward people with carbon credits for using fewer resources and digital currency make this all possible. So it, whenever I hear a comparison to the Chinese Communist Party and America <laughs> in the same sentence, it should raise our eyebrows and our curiosity, Chris. Should it ever? I'm reading today that the, the feds just seized $3.4 billion in stolen Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, we're, we're being told that things like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and these other ones are, are so secure. Well, Anything that goes through the uh, the Internet or the cloud, whatever you want to call it, the various ways that, that information like that can be transacted, you'll have bad actors that will do it, which really, I, I think, starts the, the, next, uh, the next case is that people won't say, okay, let's go back to paper currency. They're going to say, what do we do to secure what we already have, mm-hmm. which means more authoritarianism. So yeah. it's it's just moving so quickly like the Bible said that it would. And again, most of the church 
is just kind of asleep at the switch, just thinking like things will always be as they have been. Right. And when you think about the verse in Revelation where it talks about all those who will receive this mark, it says, I mean, here's communism right here, rich and poor, free and slave, small and great. It covers everything and everyone. It's the great, the mark will be the great equalizer and the great leveler. Mm-hmm. And if you're a Christian, talk about China. Christians in China, they'll have everything shut off in a heartbeat if they believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's yeah. going to be true too. If there's anyone here or if someone gets saved, you know, during the tribulation period, um, you know, the powers that be, just because you're a Christian, you will be cut off. So Chris, right. I, I, along with this article, I don't, I don't want to, you know, end this conversation. This is important because it's, it seems like we're seeing the signs that this is coming. They have the technology and it might depend on who's in power and, and all that. But back to this article that Linda Harvey wrote on reasons for Christian to vote, Christians to vote. She says the loss of our freedoms is a very real danger. If, and we can see it every time a Democrat speaks. Not that Republicans are always saintly, but the leaders of the Dems are knowingly or not actively working toward America's demise. And every believer should have alarm bells going off at what they see. Your thoughts, Chris? Yeah. And if you want, again, prove these things. If you think that we're crazy talking about them, then prove us wrong. Yeah. I would say take a look, do it in one-year increments or five-year or ten years, and tell me whether or not you're freer now than you were whatever that increment is. And do you feel more in control of your life, or do you feel like you're losing it to someone else? Mm-hmm. I don't think it takes very long to figure out that we are on a very, very bad trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I've said this at the conferences there in Appleton. Show me one place where the trajectory is in the right direction, whether it is societal or even the church as far as that's concerned, because the church is a disaster Oh boy! as far as what's being taught biblically. So. You know, I know that there are probably people listening to us right now that would be mocking this whole thing and saying, you know, they speak so much about Bible prophecy and yada, yada, yada. And I just have to reply and say, yeah, you know, you were told to me that people like the those that would mock this, that they would show up in the last days, because Peter tells me in Second Peter 3 that in the last days there's going to be scoffers that will come walking according to their own desires, their own lust, and they're going to say, where's the promise of his coming? So... We have the people that will hear us say about these things and agree with us. Others that say, yeah, 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 we've been hearing that Jesus stuff forever. Well, again, take a look at what's being presented and, mm. and, and try to show us how this is just like it's been for 30 years. Prove us wrong that it's not something that is much, much different and it's really picking up speed. This is what, to me, makes the uh, results of the Israeli election stand out so brightly because of Netanyahu. I mean, and they're saying part of this is backlash of of the hate for Israel that the left has, that America has right now. They're saying, well, we don't like how, you know, Biden and America views us. We're, we're going a completely different direction, which means the left kind of is the reason for Bibi getting in again, which I find fascinating. But I also think <laughs> that Bibi being in again is for a certain time. And the things that Israel may be facing in the next couple of years, the Lord's going to have his man in place to lead that nation uh, exactly where he wants it to go. So, Chris, your thoughts on Israel and, and what oh. went down over there? That we, we were surprised. I mean, Netanyahu made a comeback, and a lot of us are going, wait a minute, because most people in America don't pay attention to international news headlines or what's going on in Israel, sadly, even the church. So your thoughts on that? He said he'd be back, and I believed him. Well, so did Arnold Schwarzenegger, but... Yeah, it was hardly one of those moments. Um, <laughs> he, he realized that, that Bennett was just a guy who used to be a, a political ally, who they had their own version of Trump derangement syndrome there. It was mm. Bibi. Yep. And uh, the the, um, the government that was put together, the coalition that was put together back then, never, ever had a chance of success uh, succeeding. And so um, Netanyahu realized it would fall apart eventually and that um, he would be back. And uh, this time around, what's so significant is that the right, the religious right in particular, has made a massive resurgency. So when people go to look, if they don't understand how their politics work there, um, you need a governing coalition in the Knesset of 120 seats. You need to have 61 plus with your coalition. And if you take a look at Bibi's coalition, it is all center right, and the Orthodox have have really kind of hitched their wagons to where Bibi's going. Hmm. And in an end time scenario, that makes such sense mm-hmm. um, because the world will hate them. 
because there will be a real return potentially to a, a much more orthodox uh, religious aspect of the public life there. Um, we're going back this coming March, if the Lord tarries, and I cannot wait to see hmm. just on the ground what, how much it different it feels since we were there this last May. Interesting. I've heard, um, you know, someone said, you know, how, how do you give conservatives or Christians or even, you know, Republicans more power? I mean, I mean how do you give them, um, how do you get them to win elections? And the answer is give the left power. <laughs> and, and so that's kind of what happened in Israel. Um, Amir Sarfati wrote an article called This Victory with Netanyahu Should Be a Lesson for the Church. And he says some fascinating things in here that is at Harbinger's Daily. But he does say um, it's important because the impact of U.S. elections are truly felt globally. And so he makes some very good points and some parallels now, they have a completely different system over there, and we have every two years, every four years for uh, at the federal level. Um, but it is felt globally, and that's because really the, the power and the past success and prosperity of America. Your thoughts, Chris? Well, sure. I mean, that's like now the saying is that all, all politics on some cases, in some cases, is local, but um, it's now very much global. Mm. So you'll notice our, our administration currently is trying to say, well, everybody's having the same problems. Um, everything, the, the recessions, the inflation, all that stuff is, it's all global. But, you know, the things that happen here uh, have a ripple effect in the rest of the world because we're simply the largest economy. So we flooded our markets with, uh, with free cash and low interest rates. And once that stuff started to turn the other way, and then the other countries that, that spent ridiculous sums of money on COVID are having the same kind of problems. But even in the height of it, uh, even under Trump, we were still the best economy on the planet. Now we're number six. So, wow. you know, whatever happens here does affect. Yeah. Mm. So we before we get into another topic, it's time to take another break. And I just want to remind you, we are with Pastor Chris Quintana in Texas and Mary Danielson in studio as the new co-host of Stand Up For The Truth. You can welcome her. You can send her an email, uh, maryd at q90fm.com, or you can send an email to comments at standupforthetruth.com from topic suggestions, future guests, whatever you'd like to uh, chime in on, please do. We'll be right back with a whole lot more on this Midterm Election Day special podcast. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Well, not surprisingly, the world is facing unprecedented rises and civil unrest. Um, uh, according to an article we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, more than 10,000 energy protests have taken place in the last year. That's interesting. But let's go back and focus just for a minute or two again on the midterms. Um, voting doesn't take much time, friends. It's a privilege, an honor, a responsibility, and it's one of the blessed freedoms we have in America. Um, we're not a perfect country, but the American citizens do still have a say. Um, voting is an act of peaceful, responsible citizenship. And uh, just make sure you pray. You're well-informed. And first of all, in the Bible, understand how the Bible speaks to all these issues that we vote about. Uh, where legislation is passed, and um, then do your homework and please vote. Chris, your final thoughts on just this issue of trying to encourage Christians to not think of this as a political thing, but this is an important election like every election is. Sure. I mean, I don't care who belongs to what party. That's of no consequence. The thing that we've seen is that, that people are firmly ensconced in the different parties, mm -hmm. and the lines are clearly drawn, more yeah. so now in this election than I've ever seen before. But the bottom line to it is that people have tried and successfully been able to um, to pervert the system by making voting so much easier over such a longer amount of time with so little information needing to be uh, given by the person voting. I just genuinely wish we could go back to the way it was when I was young, that unless you have a, a, a noticeable or, you know, a verifiable inability to be there and vote in person, or if you're overseas, be there on the day, do it with a paper ballot, 
uh, make sure that you have identification and know the issues. Um, I wish that there was a basic skills test just for voting, and we wouldn't have half of the problems that we do if we did. That's right. Didn't what was that meme you said about the, this? There will be a national be, IQ test. November eighth. November eighth. Yeah, on election day, America. This is your national IQ test. Don't fail this one. <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah, I well, I have this little sticker. Um, it's it's you know those I voted things, and and I have one that says I voted with a question mark after it. And just don't be that person. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, just don't be the person that that. Uh, either doesn't know what you voted for or worse yet. It's sad to think that there are people that don't even exist that are voting today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've got to just say this before we get in this article, Mayor. I'll let you take it away. But Alex Newman, sometimes when he speaks in different places, uh, he opens up with a story about his grandfather, who was a lifelong Christian conservative Republican. And uh, in the 2020 election, his family found out his grandfather voted Democrat. Voted for Joe Biden, and he said, we had a call of, in a family emergency. We had a meeting. What happened with grandpas? You know, what, how, did, how could this happen? And he said the family concluded that if his grandfather had not died, he would have never voted for the Democrats. So, and like dead, dead. I mean, I don't know how they, get, how they use the, the people that have died. Dead people, dead people vote for, I don't know how they use that. They don't yeah. clean the voter rolls, and they get them to uh-huh. change their vote, their party affiliation. I don't know how they do it, but they cheat sometimes. Anyway, Mayor, on to, on to happier things, uh, civil unrest. Where do we go? Civil unrest. Speaking of civility, I think, I think social media has, has, you know, proven to, to take away all civility because I remember when I was a kid, we, you know, politics, news was on at 5.30 at night and, and most of the time we didn't think all the time about who was president or what they were doing, but now that it's 24 hours a day, I mean, it's just it's such a different world, even on that level alone. But anyway, um, <laughs> this article, World Facing Unprecedented Rise in Civil Unrest, is real interesting. It says, waves of protests have seen citizens around the world taking to the streets in anger over soaring food, fuel, and electricity prices, with research, research showing that the rise in their scale and spread is unprecedented. There's something out there called the Civil Unrest Index, and they study these things. Hmm. Um, and they say that there's more civil unrest, the rise in more countries than at any time since this was released in 2016. Of the 198 countries they cover, 101 saw an increase in risk compared with only 42 where the risk decreased. And they're saying that uh, people's protests are generally triggered by high energy prices, particularly when government when governments cut subsidies, subsidies, so they keep protesting. The authorities then send in riot police, and things escalate quickly to a point where it's not about food and fuel any longer, mm. and it's generally become about bad government, um, and people turn their anger on the government. And these governments you know, are no longer able to spend their way out of these crises. So now you're going to have recession and depression, and you know, you're going to have, uh, like Bolsonaro, one in, uh, I mean, uh, Lula, one in Brazil. And if Brazil becomes, I think they're the fifth, largest economy in the world. They have a huge military. If they become like Venezuela, now oh you've got another pattern starting down in South America. So it just gets ugly from here, Chris. Well, China is heavily, heavily involved in, uh, in uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now that you have a, a basically a, a convicted felon communist <laughs> uh, as the new president, Ugh. which is the complete flip side of Bolsonaro, right. um, wait until you see just how or how fast they drive that into a ditch and watch how much um, of the power uh, that China already has really gets brought to bear and the plundering of their mm. whatever resources they can get. It, it's going to be a repeat of what China's doing all over the world. Plus, they're part of BRICS, the, the BRICS economic um, sector. You know, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South South Africa, they're starting with their own currency. They're, they're a block. They're an economic block. Mm. And they're very, very powerful. When you consider those nations alone, there's an awful lot going on here, globally speaking. So, Chris, I don't know if it was mm-hmm. you or Mary. I think it was you that said off air. We were talking about Brazil and the process, the, the protests that erupted after their elections and what was going on in the streets. I mean, I, I saw videos of just masses of people for as far as the eye can see. And I haven't heard any updates recently. It was just, well, they, they can't do anything about the election. Did, and I think, was it you that drew the parallel to what happened here in America in 2020? Yeah, because there's no real desire to get to the truth. I mean, if, if you or I or Mayor are talking with someone 
who uh, doesn't believe that there is evidence that there were some really shaky things that happened in 2020, they'll look at you like you've got a third eye between your your two that you already have right in the middle of your forehead, like you're just some alien. And uh, yet you say, well, have you not seen any of the information about this? Yeah. Have, you, have you not had a chance to watch, say, 2,000 mules or something else like that? Or just throw out some simple facts, like, you know, you're telling me that Biden got 12 million more votes than Obama, but lost 200 more counties than Obama did? <laughs> Help me understand this, you know? Um, but the same thing has happened there from everything that I've been able to see, but nothing will come of it mm-hmm. because the powers that be are going to control the narrative and they're going to control the outcome. Wow. And so I see that in Brazil, but I, there's some frustration here with a lot of Americans still, but we still encourage you, friends, please vote today. Um, it, it's, it's going to matter long term, and we'll do what we can. What, you can say that you have done your part. Um, so, Mayor, back to this. If I uh, go ahead. jump in here real quick, sure. I just make, make sure people know this. What happened in the presidential didn't happen in the Senate and the House races because they the, the Republicans ran the table. They they didn't lose a contested seat in wow. the House in, in the last election cycle. Yeah. So everything was focused on the presidential. And as we know, world politics and the things that we hear coming out of Davos, here's the one thing that we know, because Trump was very much a pro-national. If it's not in our interest, we're not playing. He had to lose. Yeah. But you, it's harder to, to rig a local election than it is a national one because of the, the Electoral College. Mm, so um, do not be disturbed over 2020. Um, I have a very good feeling that we'll like the outcome tonight. So talk about the war in Ukraine. Uh, in this article, it says it's massively increased oil and gas prices as both Russia and the West play hydrocarbon supplies as a, a bargaining chip to force the other's hand. I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone, whether it's Joe Biden or someone from the administration, blame either Trump or Putin on the rising costs of uh, gas or energy. And it's, it's disappointing to me that, that people aren't connecting the dots. I mean, one of the first things that Joe Biden did was uh, cut off supply of the Keystone Pipeline, and, and it, people just aren't seeing how this connects to the prices. They think that other entities control American energy, and to extent that's true. So, Chris, help us understand that. Yeah, I, um, if people understood what we did here to hamstring our own ability to produce oil and produce um, energy of all of all sorts, um, from day one, whether it was Keystone or whatever, um, even now Biden's talking about shutting down every coal plant in the country and that we're going to be living on solar and wind. Hmm. And when you start hearing stuff like that and you take our supply out of the world market, then that just leaves more room for the bad guys. So that's why OPEC has been able to tell Joe to go back and eat ice cream. (laughs) And Putin has basically said, anybody who's opposed me is going to freeze. Because mm-hmm. um, we're no longer a player in that field, and so wow. the whole thing is so frustrating to hear. To, for him to tell me, for our president to tell me, we're hopeless. There's nothing we can do about it because of Putin. If you've let us get into that position, that our our whole economy can be brought to a halt because of Putin, then that tells me that you're not using the resources already here in our country. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we've got about five, six minutes left. Um, you want to continue on this topic of the unrest? I, I mean, I, that we're going to just see more because the people are going to be disappointed at their governments, depending on what country you're talking about. And it's understandable. But the frustrating thing is for, uh, let's just say, people in America, let's just put it, bring it home here because we have some midterms. And when people in power don't do what they're elected to do, or what they say they're going to do, that makes it even more frustrating because that means they duped people by their campaign speeches or by what they're going to say, and then their policies just seems like they they do the opposite. Uh, Mayor, we've seen this. Uh, Chris, you know, you you lived it in California, and then after a while there, I'm sure in California, you said, okay, it doesn't matter what they say, we know what they are going to do. But th- that's not in every state across the country, is it? Uh, no, because uh, there are there are states that are not so stuck in one direction that you really don't have a voice. Um, mm-hmm. Where I was in California, the only time that I really felt that I had a voice that that meant anything is if I could vote presidential. But in my state, 
I was in such the minority, it didn't really matter. Hmm. But that's not how it is in most states. And so, you know, it's, uh, we want to be encouraged to realize that there's still something that we can do as long as we're here to try to affect the outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because, you know, when we go to the polls, I think it could be – even though we're so tired of the ads, it's just um, oh the my. lying, ad, exaggerating oh ads, right? Yeah, and it's it's just constant, you know. Yeah. And, and I think people have already made up their minds a long time ago. But we all, I tend to think that we vote in good faith that the people we're voting for are actually going to do what they say they're going to do. Now, government of itself, you know, there's there's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of lobbyists out there, and and you know that may or may not take place, but. Leave the results to God, I think, is something we need to do uh, because we are in an era of globalism. We are seeing the planet, you know, lurching a certain direction because of prophecy. But uh, go out and vote in good faith and really, you know, do what your conscience tells you to do and leave the results up to the Lord. Chris, your closing thoughts. We've got two minutes. Yeah, I genuinely hope that the places where it's important, we, we already remember all the different locations in the different states where everything changed overnight and over the next couple of days from the last election. <laughs> I can only pray that the powers that be got their act together and we don't have a repeat of the same nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing Maricopa is already breaking down. Their machines are already a disaster. Same thing in Philadelphia. Is the places that it happened last time, you just have to ask yourself, are they that incompetent or are they just doing this because it's what's necessary to sway elections? Mm. Good question. And, yeah, I hope that there is actually more accountability, and, and that's just a hope uh-huh. because not enough people pursued and investigated, and then it seemed like it went to the courts and not enough courts took the cases, and here we are today. So please go out and vote, friends. It will matter. It does matter if you're a Christian, at least for you get to have a clear conscience because you did everything in your power. You prayed, you were biblically informed, and then you went out and voted because you wanted to have an impact on your, your schools, your, your city, your community, your state, and of course, your country. Um, Pastor Chris, thank you so much for spending time with us. It's always fun with you. I always enjoy it more <laughs> than you know. And Mayor, it's so great to have you on board there. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> yep. So the three of us today, we're thinking, how can we stir up even more trouble? Um, we'll we'll uh, do that more next time. But I wanted to share tomorrow is going to be a replay podcast with Pastor Jim Garlow. And Thursday, after we have some election results and other things are going to be happening worldwide, a prophecy update from John Haller. He'll be with us. And Mayor's excited to talk to John for the first time. And then we're going to take, we've had four pastors in a row. And then Friday, Dr. Patrick Flynn of the Wellness Way. He'll be in studio. One of our more popular guests, those medical issues, medical topics and podcasts are some of the more popular in recent years since COVID, of course. And it makes sense. And I just want to tease next week, we've got the Reverend Jim Harden back with us and Pastor Joe Schimmel, uh, Russ Miller, Bill Perkins, T.A. McMahon, Trevor Loudon, Holly Pivot, Gary Kaw, and the list goes on. Then there's Thanksgiving. But, guys, thank you again for just sharing the podcast. Thank you for uh, taking heed and voting and being a watchman as well. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.